Welcome to Prop Chat. We are here to talk about property, the ups, the downs, and how you can get started in property investing. And now, here's your host, Dave McGlashan. Hello and welcome back to Prop Chat. First and foremost, apologies for the brief hiatus we took over there. We, we got a little busy, um, but what we're doing is getting straight back into podcasting by giving you some of our recorded content, some of our live webinars that we've been doing. Um, so there's a nice big backlog for you guys to work through. I uh, really hope you enjoy it. If you want to catch these live, it happens on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 1 o'clock on our Facebook page. You're welcome to join us. Otherwise, the recordings will always come up over here on the podcast, so you're welcome to catch up here. Okay, afternoon, ladies and gents, and welcome to it's another live update by the SA Property Investors Network. For our regulars, hello. As you know, this is all about how COVID-19 is affecting the property market. Now, for the last eight weeks, you all know that the updates have been here in South Africa, being locked down five, then going to lockdown four, what's happening with our deeds office. Today, we're doing something a bit different. Today is about the international markets. And I am really so excited to be talking about, you know, should we be hedging against the SRN? Should we be going into the USA or England or, or, or Australia? And we're very lucky to have Scott Pickin from Wealth Migrate. We've got Mark Lloyd from the UK and Paul Nidra from Australia. So very warm welcome. And thank you so much for your time today, gents. Now, just before we get into all of that, and before we get into all of that, let me see who is online first of all. So we've got Christian Janssen from F360. Sean Thompson is watching. Uh, Robert McFun from the UK. Fantastic. And uh, Damon Corneli from Australia. Great. Ladies and gents, if you're, setting, if you're sat in South Africa, you may know of other people that do want to diversify into other markets. Please share this with us now and let us know where are you in the world because we do have people from all over. If you're from South Africa, Joburg, if you're from Australia, where in Australia? Let us know now where you all are. Are you in the UK? Where are you watching from? Robert, it's good to see you. Robert, are you Cape Town or the UK? Jade, you are obviously in Port Elizabeth. Fantastic. Uh, Damien, where are you in Oz? Let us know. Let's just see where everyone is. Um, let's give these guys a chance to tag their friends in. Let us know where in the where are you? And if you are in and here's the thing: if you are sat in South Africa and you are looking to invest into either the USA or you're looking to invest into England or you're looking to invest into Australia, what market would it be? And what would you choose? Would it be the, the USA, UK or Oz? Let us know. Let us know where you would want to invest in the world. Obviously, each country's got its own set of rules, tax rules, legal rules, loan to values, different type of yields. So please let us know. So Damon says the Gold Coast in Australia. Leon Ward from the Western Cape. Port Elizabeth, fantastic. A few guys from the UK, Mapumalanga, please share this with your friends. Now, here's a great thing, ladies and gents. This, uh, this live stream is being recorded. So if you do, if you have friends that do miss it or for whatever reason you have to jump off, we are recording it and you can access it for free. If you just go to our webpage, go to joinsappen.com forward slash COVID-19. That is joinsappen.com forward slash um, COVID-19 and you'll be able to access this live stream again plus all the other live streams that we have been doing for the last uh, for the last eight weeks okay who else howard matheson how's it going i know you keep in the uk as well bruce uh, the east Rand. please tag your friends and family now sprayed Jeez, we have people from all over south africa sunny johannesburg absolutely except yeah, sunny johannesburg unfortunately we have no power here on the east Rand. but hey that's uh that's SA for you right Okay, but I think let's get straight into it, ladies and gents. 
We're all on the call. We all know this is, you know, should we hedge against SA Rand? I believe there's great opportunities right here in South Africa. And at the same time, I know there's investors out there going, yes, let's invest in South Africa. But at the same time, is it a bad thing to start earning US dollars, Aus dollars, or pounds? Um, for, for those of you that don't know, I have been investing in the UK market since 2005. I went over in 2005. I lived in the UK for eight years. That's where, in fact, I met Scott Picken. The first time I met Scott Picken from Wealth Migrate was at a seminar in London back in 2005 or 2006. I met Mark Lloyd uh, in 2009 um, in the UK. So I've known these guys for a very long time. And Paul Nidra, um, it's the first time I'm meeting Paul. Paul's been working with Scott for a very long time. So I think, Scott, let's jump into this. Um, I'm going to start with you and with, e and with each speaker. I would like you to introduce who you are, where you stay, what does your business do, and then let's go into the questions. Over to you, Scott. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Uh, well, firstly, Andrew, to you, your team, uh, David and Michelle, thanks very much for having us online. Really appreciate it. I think one of the most exciting things about COVID actually is that everyone is sitting in front of their computer and can get knowledge from all over the world without having to travel anymore on an airplane. And uh, why I say that is I'm coming to you from Neisner. So I'm sitting here with looking out over the view of the lagoon and admittedly I can't go on the lagoon, but, but, uh, but uh, it really is a privilege to, to mention it because you ask how I got here. And I studied at UCT and I did actually a dissertation on how property and technology, how it was gonna change the industry in 1998. I went to London and did my masters in the same topic. I started a business in 2004 helping people invest into South Africa, England, Australia, and America. And in simple terms, we noticed that there was a huge opportunity, not just in the residential market, but also in the commercial market. And in the last crash, we, we figured out that we needed to use technology to allow us to come together so we had the buying power of the institutions. And in the last 10 years, that's enabled us to get into commercial property and invest like the institutions. So to answer your question, for 16 years, we've been helping people invest in property around the world. But because it's all online and it's all digital, it allows us to live wherever we want. So that's why I choose to live in uh, Nasna, South Africa. Um, I always joke with people, it's really awesome to have your money invested in the first world, but to be able to live in the sun in the emerging world. Absolutely. Now, Scott, I know that you've been doing a lot of work in the USA. Yes, Australia and the UK, but I want to talk to you mainly about, um, about the USA. In your opinion... How has COVID-19 really affected the states? Are they very positive or negative? Are you sourcing people buying in the USA? What's happening over there? Yeah, Andrew, I, um, I'm conscious of your time and you know, we could talk about this for hours. But <laughs> in simple terms, I'm, I'm going to sum it up for you. America is a massive place. So there's 300 MSAs in America. So MSA is a metropolitan statistical area with more than a million people in them. Okay, so that's how big... America. So, you know, in, in, in England, there's, you know, a handful of big cities and in Australia, there's a handful of big cities, South Africa, the same thing. Whereas in England, uh, sorry, America, it's a massive, massive place. So to talk just about America as a whole is, is a misconception to start off with, because what's happening in New York and what's happening in the Midwest and what's happening in California are like three different countries put together. Are Americans scared? Are they, you know, is this probably the first attack they've had on home soil since 9-11? Yes, it is. You know, are they melodramatic? Yes, definitely. Um, is Were there things happening in America before COVID came, which has been affecting the property market? Yes. So I've been talking about it for two years. Shopping centers have been going out of business for two years because e-commerce is becoming more and more efficient. COVID hasn't 
you know, started that process. It's just put the final death nail in, in many of those uh, of, of those different sectors. So, in in, in summation to to your uh, question, I think what you've got to look at with America is you cannot look at America as a whole. You've got to get down to state level and even city level. You've got to look at specific fundamentals of those states. You've got conservative states and and what's the opposite of conservative? I call them blue and red states. But anyway, the uh, <laughs> The, the blue states are, you know, are where they protect the tenants' rights and basically you can't do anything like New York and California. They've got much higher taxes. So you've got to get state-specific. You've got to get city-specific. You know, are there jobs being created? Is there population growth, et cetera, et cetera? And then ultimately, you've got to get sector-specific. And so, you know, things like the, the industrial properties are actually doing really well. You know, you know, if you're in an Amazon warehouse right now, you're doing absolutely fine. Whereas if you're in you know, retail or if you're in hospitality or if you're in, uh, in even an office space, you know, there's massive problems. 31% of Americans didn't pay rent in, uh, in residential in April. 85% of retail tenants didn't pay rent. So the, the stats are astounding. Um, to put in perspective as well, and I don't know how much time you want, so shut me up when you want me to stop talking. If, okay, uh, go for it. And, and then, Scott, I also want to know once you've, once you've spoken about that, let us know where you've also been investing, okay, after you finish that little part. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll finish up now. So the one thing I found fascinating is I did some research in the last week because I was trying to understand the global financial crisis compared to this. And what is really interesting is that the global financial crisis, and I'm just talking in America now, they lost 8.8 .8 million jobs over four years. And they've lost 20 million jobs just in the month of April, and they're now over 30 million jobs. Now, just to put in perspective, Okay, uh, they lost $19 trillion in household wealth over the entire GFC, the, the whole four-year period of the GFC, and they lost $9 trillion just in the month of April. Okay, so I just to put it into perspective, is it, a, is it affecting Americans and Americans' back pocket? Very much so. So where do, you, where do you invest in times like this? Well, you know, Andrew, for as long as you've known me, when it comes to property, I've always believed that you've got to, A, be in the different sectors, but you've also got to take cycles into account and something I've learned more recently in, in the last 10 years is you want to be in sectors which are economically resilient. So I've always spoken about the medical centers uh, for the last 10 years because, you know, no matter what happens in the world economy, people need doctors. I mean, I've been saying this for 10 years, but it's a little bit ironic now with COVID. You know, people still need doctors. You know, secondly, doctors never leave their premises. And thirdly, doctors are great at being doctors, but they're not accountants. So they sign very good long-term leases. It's like a no-brainer as a tenant. And uh, so we've been, we've been very strong in medical. We've got hundreds of millions of dollars under management in, in, with our partners on the ground in medical. And, and they've almost hardly been affected. Like to put in perspective of our entire portfolio, which is over uh, nearly $300 million now, less than 4% of tenants haven't been able to pay. And they are like the physios and the dentists that haven't been able to work because of COVID lockdown. But, but I can guarantee you, if you've got a root canal, like when you're allowed yep. to go out, you're going to go and get your teeth. Like that dentist will go back yeah, to work. Whereas that restaurant will be probably out of business, you know. Definitely. Um, and, the, and the other sector that's been, that's been very resilient as well is multifamily. So that's where, you know, people need a place to live. The challenge, as I've said to you, is that if it's not managed right, the rents, people have been not paying rents. And, um, but what's been really interesting is there's been a lot of government subsidies that have come in. And there's also been a lot of government help in terms of the funding from a multifamily perspective. So those two sectors were the most economically resilient in the last crash. They seem to be the most economically resilient in this crash. But please, I want to be very clear. 
This is not a, um, one, a one size fits all for the whole of America. You've got to get specific. And ultimately, you've got to get down to the partners on the ground that are executing. Of course, Scott. And which states was that? So these medical centers you do, what are the areas? So the two, the two primary areas that we've done the most are in Atlanta, Georgia. It's, you know, if you take the southeast of America, it's actually the fourth biggest economy in the world. And, uh, and, and the second is, um, is Texas. And uh, both those economies have massive job growth, massive population growth. And the fundamentals of property is if you've got population growth, it's only a matter of time, you know, it, it, no matter what's happening in the cycle, that you'll, that you'll get increases in prices, increase in rents, et cetera. So maybe in our two major states that we've, we've focused on, we have focused on others, but I won't bore you with the details. No, of but, course. Okay, Scott. Sorry, so the one, sorry, the one comment I will say, and then I'll shut up, is not, <laughs> the trophy, not the trophy states, not New York, not California, not Miami, you know, not all the places that people from their ego want to invest in because they don't get the best returns. Sure. Absolutely. And Scott, I am going to come, I, I, I am going to go to Mark Lloyd now, but Scott, I do want to come back to you later on to ask you the question, should South Africans be thinking about investing in the USA and how much capital would they need? And we'll talk about, can they get mortgages? But I will come back to you on that. Um, let's come to Mark Lloyd from the UK. Welcome, Mark. And I'm going to ask Mark if he can introduce himself, his company and his experience in property, and then we'll start going into the questions. Hi, Andrew. Thanks. Thanks for having me online. Um, yeah, so I've uh, I've been investing for 15 years um, in the UK. I'm in terms of portfolio size in the top 10 percent of uh, UK landlords. Uh, I run a, um, a training company, Property Master Academy, where we teach and mentor investors in the UK and uh, also CEO of a European um, property investment group. So, um, yeah, exciting times, I think, at the moment, although a lot of people are concerned, but I, I, I consider it quite exciting. Uh, I think, uh, you know, we've not seen a virtual standstill in the, in the UK market anyway in my lifetime. Um, but sure. we, we still were doing deals. So, yeah. So, so, Mark, if we take the UK as a whole, would you say there's a lot of fear? Are people holding back? Or like, like South Africa here, Mark, through our property academy, I'm buying and selling, buying and renting. Are you seeing the same thing in the UK? Are people still buying and selling or renting or what's well, happening? Well, I mean, during the lockdown, of course, nothing was possible. Um, and I think there was something like 340 uh, million of uh, property transactions that fell through. Uh, so that gives you kind of a clue. And, I, you know, we've been doing deals, but I think the general um, feeling is that it's, it, it's fear. Uh, people are uncertain. It's kind of kind of fear that we had when the market dropped in 2008, 2009, when people were just uncertain, wouldn't happen. But of course, then we didn't have a total stop in the market like we have now. In the UK, we've had uh, estate agents and letting agents have managed to go back as of Wednesday last week. So we've seen a spike in uh, certainly on Rightmove, which is the main property portal here for those that don't know. Uh, massive increase of inquiries on Rightmove. And, um, you know, we I think I think what we'll see short term is is a possible spike, maybe in the next four to six weeks. But I think after that, we will see a, a drop in prices for the rest of this year into 2021. Sure. Um, and Mark, when I, when I go around speaking to investors in South Africa, most investors just think of London. I'm going to London. I'm going to London. Where where would you advise people to invest? And should people be thinking of London or Birmingham or going into Scotland, what areas would you recommend right now? 
Well, I, th- I think well, I'll give you a clue. I don't invest in London. <laughs> okay. um, but I mean, the, the, you know, each market has different attractions to it. Um, personally, I, I always look for the returns. Returns in London historically have been good as far as capital appreciation is concerned. But immediate yield on, on a straight buy to let, for example, might be 2% if you're lucky. Yeah. Even on an HMO in London, which is a house of multiple occupancy, you might get 6%. Those returns are blasted out of the water when you go north. Uh, sure. you know, we, I, I've, got, I've got a portfolio in Scotland uh, where I get around about a 14% yield. I've got a portfolio in the northeast. I get around about 10 and I do have a portfolio in the southeast of, of, of England as well, which gives, gives me round about 8%, but that's HMOs. Sure. Um, so, we, you know, where to invest? I think it's cash flow. When we started out, it was cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. I'm still a firm believer that I'm a, I've been in business 30 years and it's always cash flow that counts to me. Um, sure. You know, of the things that I've looked at over the past 15 years of investing, when I've compared south to north, there's really not a lot in it. If you want cash in your pocket today, the North and Midlands wins in Scotland. If you want cash in your pocket tomorrow, at 10 years time, then London and the Southeast will win. So. Sure. And then Mark, what about interest rates? You know, how much, uh, what are interest rates currently? Um, it talks about mortgages. How easy is it for UK citizens to still get mortgages? Um, and have you seen any foreigners trying to get mortgages? Uh, yeah, I mean, interest rates are pretty low, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, the bank base rate, is, Bank of England base rate is 0.1%. Yes. <laughs> so average mortgage rates for investor buyers, um, between two and three and a half kind of rate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, when the lockdown happened, a lot of the mortgage products were pulled immediately, within days. We've just seen a few come back now, and they're offering uh, back up to 75%. 80% loan to values, which is good. Um, so yeah, we, we are aware of uh, mortgages being applied for and being obtained. There've been a lot of desktop valuations done on, certainly on straightforward buy to lets. Valuers were still valuing on based on a desktop. Uh, they wouldn't do that for, for an HMO. Um, as far as foreign investors, uh, yeah, we are, I think they're a little bit more cautious because obviously not living here, they don't really understand the market as well. But um, we are seeing them uh, starting to invest, but it is difficult for foreign investors to get mortgages in the UK from the from day one. It's not something that they can do straight away. No, oh. and I think Mark, just for the South Africans, can you explain what a HMO is? Okay, yeah. So it stands stands for House of Multiple Occupancy. It's essentially where you're taking a house and you're renting it out by the room rather than just the house as one one unit. Uh, so a common one would be, for instance, for students, where, where there's maybe five or six students living in a property. That's that's called an HMO. Okay, great, fantastic. Mark, I will be coming back to you about the future of England. Um, there will be a few questions around Brexit, so be prepared for that question. Yeah, that's no been worries. a very hot topic here in South Africa around Brexit. Okay, well, Paul and Nidra, all the way from Australia. Um, a very good evening to you and afternoon for us. How are you, Paul? We just yeah. got it. I mean, you know, there we good go. Thing. Um, yeah, it's um, interesting times, and um, I see Scott there, and we, we met. What happened was I was ran one of the first crowdfunding platforms in the world, and um, had about three hundred raises on it, and and used to 
at that time I used to travel around the world giving talks about crowdfunding and I bumped into Scott a couple of times and he said, look, he said, um, we're going to become a global business and for global business, we need to be compliant and you seem to be into compliance. Can you can you help us out there? So um, that's what I've been doing. And so that's where I, where I met up and then with Wealth Migrate, of course, now we're based in Australia and we've had um, deals here and we're looking at opportunities, but uh, it's okay. uh, been a good journey. Absolutely, Paul. And tell us, where are you in Australia right now? Well, I'm on the gold, what they call the Gold Coast, which is south of Brisbane. It's sort of the tourist place in Australia where people come to for holidays and things like that. So it's it's a pretty nice place, like 50 metres from the beach. And uh, like my daughter, she lives in Rainbow Bay, which is just over the hill, and she's um, goes surfing each day with all sorts of people. So, it's, yeah, it's a pretty cool place to live. Okay. Interesting. Okay, we're just going to give it a few seconds. Okay, uh, Paul, are you still there? Yeah, still here, still here. So Brilliant. So, Paul, um, I've got a question for you here. How, how has COVID-19 affected Australia and the Australian property market? What's happening in the property market? You know, if you go back to 2008, what happened was um, – the government stepped in really quickly in Australia and pu pushed money into the economy fairly early. And, and, you know, Australia, you can't say they didn't avoid the global financial crisis, but they rode it out pretty well. And they've done the same again with, with this one, that very early on, like mortgages were, you could, you didn't have to pay your mortgage for six months. Um, rental procedures were put in place so that rental negotiations took place between landlords of commercial and also landlords of um, residential properties. And then 7 million Australians are receiving um, $750 a week direct from the government into their bank accounts as what's called a JobKeeper allowance, which is making sure that people can keep their keep, keep being employed. It goes to the employer, but he has to pay it to the employee. So it means that when things pick up, they're still on the payroll and they can move them forward. So, you know, when I'm thinking about it, what's happening, like there hasn't been a much of a drop in house prices. What you're finding even around, I'm in a building with 280 units, there's still units being sold. Things have definitely slowed down. But um, just as Mark was saying that there's, you know, he reckons there's going to be a lift. I think that's what will happen after this. And um that the, the things will just move forward. I think um, it's not going to be like a big drop. Sure. I mean, Paul, I mean, looking at us as South Africans wanting to invest in Australia, where would the opportunities be in? A, are we allowed to buy um, Australian property? Because I know there's certain rules against uh, certain type of properties we can and can't buy. And where would you say the actual opportunities are? Which areas and, and what type of property? Yeah, well, new builds never been much of a problem for foreigners. What did become a problem was the banks all pulled out of lending to foreigners. But still, there are always foreign banks that'll do that type of thing. But there are some interesting statistics. Like if you take um, Brisbane, for example, which is just up the road from where I live, um, the house prices are around 55% um, of the price of Sydney houses, yet the income is only 12% lower. And so... You know, you see things like that, that a lot of people can move into Brisbane. And also we are seeing as, you know, as Wealth Migrate, um, the co-living area. And it's interesting, Mark was talking about that area as well of 
I think after all of this, the affordable housing part of it's going to be more and more important, the co-living, things like that, because people will take a knock. There are a lot of people that are affected by it, and they will probably have to downscale and sell. Like Guy said to me yesterday, he said he runs one of these food kitchens where provides people with food, and he said it's amazing. People are driving up there in their Range Rover and um, getting food, and he said, they've, you know, they've got six or seven properties, and even though they've had stays on their mortgages and things like that, they've, they've, you know, they're not coping very well with the cash flow thing. So it's, um, yeah. Sure. And tell me, Paul, in, in your personal experience and, and your opinion, would you say uh, that now is a good time to invest in Australian property market, or do you feel people should hold off a bit? What's your opinion? I think we'd probably hold off for a bit. It's a bit unclear. Um, people are just sort of treading water at the moment. I think um, just waiting to see what happens, um, you know. So unless it was like something that was a, a, a distressed property and they had the funding to put their foot on it or something like that, then okay. But otherwise, um, I think I'd, they'd go more for the type of blended approach we've got at Wealth Migrate where we're spreading it across currencies and across countries. I think that would probably be a better way to go. And diversifying it. Okay, yes. great. Thank you so much, Paul. Let's go all the way back to Scott. Um, and then I'll come back to you as well, Paul. So, Scott, let's talk uh, USA. Do you feel it's a good time for South Africans to be thinking about investing in the USA, number one? And number two, what type of, how easy is it to set up a company in the USA to get a mortgage in the USA? Is it easy for a South African just to sort of go into the USA and buy a rental property? We are on a South African show, so I like the word soma. Anyway, <laughs> just, uh, just two comments quickly on uh, for Mark on Mark's side, which I just want to agree with Mark. Firstly, where Mark said cash flow, you know, one of the things I've learned over the last 10 years and I learned in the last crash was that middle class people and professional people are always chasing capital growth. They always want the next capital growth, whether it's in property, the stock market or Bitcoin. And wealthy people focus on income. And I learned this through the last crash, actually, even with my own house. And I bought my first house in London in, in Wimbledon. And, you know, in the last crash, everyone else was crying. And I was loving life because interest rates went down. My passive income went up. And, uh, and, you know, it's really something important to focus on, you know, what Mark's saying. Cash flow is king. And, and, uh, and, and you know, so any asset, residential or commercial, it's all about the cash flow. And the second thing I wanted to say was, you know, I've, uh, like I just said, I bought my first house in London in 2002. I got a British passport. I lived there for nine years. Trying to get a mortgage in England as a foreigner, uh, and I'm not even a foreigner, but I'm like an expat, is very, very difficult at the moment. And I tend to joke with people, you know, they always talk about uh, other people's money, OTM. And I joke with people, where the world's going now, you can have OTM, which is other people's mortgages. And uh, why I say that is we just bought a property, um, as I say, and, and we helped in Tunbridge Wells. And I could get finance at 6.5%. And by partnering with a British local, we got it fixed at 3.19%. So, you know, my attitude would be, I think you're absolutely crazy to go out and buy a property on your own in a foreign country. I'd rather go find someone like Mark that's been doing it for, uh, you know, all the experience he said and, you know, top 10 investors in the country and all that stuff and partner with him. He can get much better mortgages than any of you can. And I'm talking England, Australia, America, anywhere partner with locals because they can get you better cost of finance. And so OTM is no longer other people's money. It's other people's mortgages, which is my <laughs> future. Um, I love that. Um, and, and to answer your question about America, you know, is it, you know, I think your question was, is now the right time? Is, was that it? Yeah. Yeah. 
Do you feel that people should be looking at investing into the USA now or holding off for a few months? Yeah, so look, the, the simple answer to that is that there's two ways to answer that question. So firstly, I've helped about 450 South Africans invest into, into America. During the last crash, we were picking up properties for you know, 40, 50% of replacement value. And you know, it was really difficult. You had to fly over there. You had to set up an LLC, which is a company. You had to set up a bank account. It was an administrative nightmare, quite frankly. The bank accounts kept getting closed. You know, you can't do anything. You think the Americans are good at banking. They are horrendous. Like, and, uh, and you can't do anything without flying there and actually getting it sorted, et cetera. So you, the first way I'd answer the question is I don't think anyone should invest on their own in America ever. Okay, because I've been doing it for 10 years and I've helped nearly 500 other people do it. And it's not worth it, like, to try to do it on your own. Okay, the second way I'd answer that is that we've built a platform now where I can partner with people like Mark on the ground, where they have the local expertise, they know the properties, and, and we've got a solution where you can get involved in the deal without having to worry about bank accounts, tax structuring, or anything. So, so my point being, to answer your question, Andrew, is that the, 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 the complexity has been taken out of it. So now it comes down to timing and whether it's a good deal. And I believe that in any market, uh, there's good times and there's bad times. There's good deals and there's bad deals. Okay. Oh. And so like Mark said, you know, there are good deals happening right now, uh, both in England, Australia, and America. So I want to be very clear. I think anyone that says it's a good or bad time is wrong because it's down to the actual deal oh. and the returns you can get on the deal. Now, the last thing I would say to the individual is what are you trying to achieve? So you know, most individuals I find that are wanting to invest outside of South Africa are looking for a couple of things. They want wealth preservation. They want wealth protection. Okay, if you look at the rand, it is devalued from six rand and eleven cents in 2011 to 18 rand fifty today. Okay, and it's similar to the pound. Okay, now I don't care which way you cut the cookie there. It means your value has 300 percent. Your wealth has 300 percent changed in 10 years. It doesn't matter which way you cut the cookie. It's a fact. <laughs> okay, and is it going to change over the next 30 years? Yes, it is. Because statistically, it's gone down by 6% every single year for the last 30 years and will continue. And we've, we've, we've got a whole webinar on currency if people want to do that. We can talk about that later. My point being is that it's always a good time to become a global citizen and it's always a good time to build a diversified portfolio, which is what Paul mentioned. The, the challenge is, is how to do it and where to do it. And specifically in America, um, England or Australia, I believe now is actually a very good time because you can pick up good deals. Okay. Yep. Like, you know, it, and, and, but you've got to, you've got to go against sentiment. You've got to go against the herd because they are good deals, but then you've got to make sure you've got the right partners. You've got to make sure, sure that you've got the right information. You've got to make sure you're investing in an income producing asset because quite frankly, you know, if I look at my London house, just to put it in perspective back in 2008, 2009, you could argue and say my London house went down in value because London property for about 12 months did lose uh, somewhere between 15 and 20%. You could say that my house went down by 20%, but actually my passive income went from a thousand pounds per month to 2,200 pounds per month for that 12 month period. And quite frankly, the last crash, I wish it was still continue because, because the, my passive income went up. They're different mindsets and, and I'm sorry oh. I'm talking too much, but, but it's <laughs> a mindset shift. And, and it's not as simple as should I invest or shouldn't no, I? Of course. The first thing you need to do is have a mindset shift. Absolutely. Now, Scott, there, there, there's a question for you. I'm going to ask it, but don't answer it just yet. It's from Clifford. He says, are there any good performing listed property portfolio stocks in the US, UK, and Australia 
that one can invest in as entry level in the pro in the property market. So just before you answer that, um, Scott, there's quite a few people that have just joined us from all over the world. Remember that uh, that this session is recorded. If you do want to get a copy of this recording, just go to joinsapper.com. That is joinsapper.com forward slash COVID-19. Um, and you can access this recording later on. Let us know where you're in the country now, ladies and gents, all the world. People have joined us. I do recognize a few names. Matthew Snedden has joined us. So my, my very, very first uh, mentor in the UK was Matthew. A big shout out to, to Matthew there. Uh, Pumla has joined us. Uh, Damien Oliver, Saki, quite a few of you. Um, let us know who's interested in which market. If you, if you sat in South Africa, let us know where you want to invest. Is it the USA? Is it the UK? Or is it Australia? Let us know where you want to invest. Richard from Namibia. Good to see you there, my friend. Um, and just a quick reminder, ladies and gents, put this date in your diary right now, the 27th of May. That's next week, Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. in the evening. We are running the next SF Property Investors Network. It's our virtual networking event where we're taking the winner of the Investor of the Year 2019. They're coming into our virtual networking events next Thursday evening. And it's all about South African property and how are we making it work here in South Africa. For the people that just joined us, this is, this is all about international flavor. We set you as South Africans. Um, some of us, like myself, uh, I'm heavily invested into the UK. I've never invested into Australia or the USA. Some of our members have gone to the USA, um, America, also the USA, England, and Australia. Um, coming back to the question, Scott, um, must I repeat it for you or, or do you have the answer there? Uh, look, I can answer it simply. We've been helping people invest in medical buildings, just as an example, in America for, we started in 2014. So we've got a six-year track record and over $300 million, our average cash-on-cash cash return is 8%. Cash-on-cash, cash, so that's a net cash flow in your pocket return over the last six years. If you take capital growth into account, you're looking at IRRs of 12 to 15%. But let's not worry about that because I want to go back to cash flow. The REITs are paying you, a medical REIT in America is paying you 4.75%. Okay, and why are they doing that? I always joke with people, is it because we're clever? Is it because we went to better universities? Is it because we're better negotiators? It's none of that. Whenever technology gets involved, it cuts out the middlemen, it cuts the costs, and it dramatically increases the trust, the transparency, and accessibility. Now, I haven't forgotten your question, Andrew. My point being is that, in my opinion, can you buy REITs where the asset values are, the, the price, the share price is, is lower than the net asset value at the moment? Yes, you can. The problem with REITs, though, is that they're financial instruments. They are not, they've got a higher than 70% correlation to the stock market versus the property asset. There's a reason that wealthy people invest in direct property because it has intrinsic value and it has cash flow. Okay, and the point being is that for investors, I'm sure that there are REITs out there that, that might make sense in those three markets. Yeah. I spend that much time focusing on it because wealthy people don't make money buying and selling shares in REITs Wealthy people make money by buying and selling direct property, both residential and commercial. And that's what I like to help people do. And that's what I do myself. And Scott, um, I'll, I'll come back to you about this as well. But you have a platform uh, whereby you can help South Africans invest directly into property from as little as a thousand pounds or thousand dollars. Is that right? Yeah, 100%. So, okay. uh, so before you go into that, before you go into that, I'm going to come back to you on that. Okay. Ladies and gents. I want to give you a caveat there, Andrew. For, for yes. you, we'll make it $100 or £100. 
100. Oh, really? That, that low, eh? So what I'll do is I've got a question for Mark, uh, Paul, and then Scott, what I want to do is come back to you because you mentioned another date to put in your diary, ladies and gents, is the 2nd of June, 6 p.m. on the 2nd of June. Put that in your diary now. Scott's going to tell you why in a minute. Um, Mark, just in the UK, you mentioned earlier, but uh, quite a few people have just joined us. Um, as a UK resident, and then, and I'm not sure if you'll know the answer for a non-UK resident, what type of loan to values can one expect to get in the UK? Just got to unmute there, Mark. Okay, sorry that. Yep. Um, so as a UK resident, I, I can get uh, up to about 80%, sometimes 85%, depending on the product. Uh, overseas, I think I've seen probably about a maximum of 60%, yeah. an interest rate of in the region of 6 to 9%, whereas I can get two and a half, three. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think from, from our side, Mark, with that um, – when, when South Africans do venture into the into the UK initially, you know, are they getting bridging finance, a 15-year loan, or are they getting, you know, a, a bond or a mortgage from from a bank like Lloyd's? Um, and I've seen it vary between 60% and in some cases 75%. Um, I know there's a couple here in South Africa that got 60% from Lloyd's. Um, I'm not sure if they've got a higher loan to value, but I have seen South Africans get a higher loan to value, you know, going to 65, 70, 75. But that's the max I've seen. Um, now, Mark, there's been a very common question around Brexit. You know, every single time I meet a South African, I promise you, every time, hey, guys, invest in the UK. Oh, but what about Brexit? What about Brexit? Please, what is happening with Brexit in the UK right now? And should we be, should we be concerned about that? Uh, it's quite interesting. I think it depends who you talk to, isn't it? I think if you talk, talk to someone in Central Europe, they'll say it's a really bad thing. Um, from the UK perspective, uh, I have to say I voted to stay within the European community, but I've got on board now with, with the Brexit. And um, I, th I think this is a good time because I think what's going to happen is in some of the areas, and I know you've invested in Grimsby, Andrew, uh, that, that was decimated by joining the EU because all the fisheries were closed down. We're going to be taking back our fishing waters, which means places like Grimsby will start to grow again. So there's lots of places like that. And I think there are a lot of industries where they're, being more selective of the people coming into the UK. The, the problem we've always had in the UK, which has not really happened in Central Europe, apart from possibly Germany, is that we attract a lot of immigration from all over the world. And some of it's good, which is that's the ones we want to keep. And some of it's not so good. And unfortunately, with the EU, there was a lot of it we just didn't want to keep from countries. And I don't really want to talk about any particular countries, but you're sure you're aware of the ones I'm, I mean. And, and we, we just we, were ha we had to take them because of the free movement. That won't happen any longer. So I think in terms of investing, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm a firm believer of you know, setting out your goal as to what, what is it you're trying to achieve and buying correctly. As long as you're buying correctly in the first place, it's always a good time to invest. No, of course. And, and like Scott was saying, yes, there is the opportunity, of course, Scott, for, for one to go into the UK, buy their own asset, hold their own asset. Um, I always say, Scott um, and Mark, that it's a lot easier to enter into an international market with cash rather than trying to enter a market and getting a bond or a mortgage up front. Is it possible? Yes, because I've seen it happen, but it's very, very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, and I'll say to my guys, yeah, if, if you want to come invest in Grimsby, for example, 
you'll need at least 80,000 pounds cash. That's about 1.6 million rand. That's just wiped out the majority of the average South African because the average South African doesn't have 80,000 pounds sat in a bank account. And if they did, yes, they could go buy their first property and then start the journey, or they could use a platform like Scott's, Scott Pickens got at Wealth Migrate um, that we're going to talk about in a minute. So, Paul, if I, if I just jump to you quickly, um, as, a, as an Australian citizen, what kind of loan to values are you getting in Australia? What, uh, what's your interest rates over there? Um, and you did say that a foreigner can no longer get financing if they want to buy in Australia. Is that right? Yeah, well, they can still get financing. Some of the banks are doing it, but it's uh, – and, in fact, lately, a lot of the um, industry are saying, well, can you open it up to how it was before where they allowed foreign investment? So I think that is going to be eased a bit. But Westpac, the second biggest bank, announced this week that um, highest LVR they're going to do is 80% and um, – 85% for medical workers, including doctors, dentists, vets, pharmacists, and optometrists. So that's the thing. But it's, you know, sort of that 70, 80% LVR and interest rates, um, probably um, 3.2 down to about 2.2 seems to be the area that they're sitting. Okay, brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, and, and Paul, just tell me, for, for the new people that have just joined us now, um, and I asked you this earlier, is it a good time for people to to think about investing in the in, in Australia? And would you recommend, if, if, if the answer is yes, should they be diversifying with a company like Wealthmigrate or should they be come, coming in and buying the property by itself? Yeah, well, I think if even locals are unsure of where things are going to go, what they're going to do, I think you have to, as Scott said earlier on, you have people that are partnered like Mark Lloyd on the ground in, in the countries and we have people like that here and really to have more of a spread your risk more through people that you you know that that are in the know and making decisions because it's a bit of a punt if you just have a go yourself of course the problem is if you sit here in south africa and you do own that assets and you don't have that local team or that part on the ground it could be a very scary situation to be in um ladies and gentlemen quite a few people have just joined us remember join sapin.com forward slash COVID-19 to get the recording of that. Thank you very much, Paul. Paul, I will be coming back to you towards the end to get your advice for our listeners. Scott, I think it's about time that um, let's talk about the platform you have. And the reason I want to talk about that platform, Scott, because at the Property Academy, we do have some investors that do want to invest offshore. Now, I tell them I can't do America, I can't do Australia. I don't know those markets, but I do know the UK market. But I also know the barriers to entry into the UK. And it is a lot easier for one to have cash to invest in the UK. Getting bank business bank accounts isn't easy. Is it possible? Yes. But it's not easy. Getting mortgages in the UK is possible, but it's not easy. So I think people have to make this, this choice. Do they, do they partner with someone like you? And how does that work? Um, and that's where I guess the 2nd of June comes in. Or do they want to go through the rigmarole of actually investing in a property by themselves? And I guess, Scott, there's no real right or wrong, is there? It's what the person wants to do. But I think for the majority of South Africans, they just don't have that 80,000 pounds or that 100,000 pounds to go over, but they do want to hedge against their end. Can you now tell us how they can do that? Yeah, look, I think the one way I'd answer that, Andrew, is that I've, um, I've been investing in residential property since uh, 1999. I had 16 of them myself on four continents and you know, it was an interesting investment and they, some of them work, like I said to you, in London and, you know, et cetera. 
However, one of the things that I realized once I started investing in commercial property was that it was a lot less hassle with better returns. It's like a no-brainer. Like, and, and, and again, I'm not saying residential or commercial. I would love to invest with Mark, by the way, because what I'm actually saying is invest with quality partners. If you're an amateur, okay, and you're trying to do it yourself, and I'm sorry, even if you're highly sophisticated in England and you want to come buy a house in Cape Town, you're still an amateur in the new market. It's just the way it works. So you've got to find local expertise. You've got to partner with people. And if I don't, if you don't mind, I'm going to share my screen quickly because this, this for me is, is, yeah, sure. is, is what it's all about. You can, you can literally go along. Uh, you can log into the platform. I'm doing it live for you, you know, because anyone can do a PowerPoint. And you can basically decide on the marketplace where you want to invest. So whether it's in, uh, in, in a multifamily in America, ironically, if you want to invest in South Africa, you can do that as well. If it's an English property, uh, Mark, we need to have a conversation because you're not on yet and I need you. But the point is, if it's a development in England, whether it's a multifamily in America, whether it's a medical building in, in, in America, et cetera, you can basically choose. And what's really, what's really cool is that you, you don't have to worry about setting up structures. You know, you can do it in your own name. You can see my thing. I've got different structures. I can also go in. I don't need to, to set up a wallet. I've got my digital wallet. It's actually uh, backed by the five biggest banks in Europe and your money is protected by European law. So again, all your money comes back in one place. So you can actually go in, you can see my wallet, you can see all my different returns. Why is this important? Well, in simple terms, let's just for argument's sake say uh, that this property here was Mark's property okay, in England. I quite think, frankly think that it's old school nowadays and I apologize for being horrible, but it's like catching a yellow taxi versus catching Uber. You know, why would I fly all the way to England and try and go and find a property on my own and get a mortgage and meet an estate agent and a management agent, set up bank account, and I could go on and on and on versus find someone like Mark on the ground, read all about the, the deal, read all about Mark, read all about how he does his due diligence, you know, go and read all the numbers, the cash flow, download all the documentation, and when I'm actually ready to invest in the deal, I can literally go along. I can invest in the deal. I can say, "Rip, I want to put in, you know, the amount of money. I've got my fees." And in less than two minutes, I can invest into England, Australia, America, or South Africa. So my point being, you know, my point being, Andrew, is that, you know, it's not only if you've got a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. We help many people that have millions of dollars invest because even if you've got five million dollars, you can't go and buy a medical building in America. I guarantee you, you, you don't mm. have enough money, and you don't, you don't. You don't have the connections. Again, if I go to Mark's area tomorrow morning, I could arrive with 20 million pounds and I guarantee you Mark would find better deals than I would. It's not about the cash. It's about the connections, the partnerships, the relationships. And anyone that's ever been in property knows that that's a 10, 20, 30 year game. And so what, what the technology is doing is giving access to people like Mark. It's cutting out all the middlemen. It's cutting out all the costs and it's helping you invest directly in the deal alongside Mark, which gets you safer and better returns. And, you know, really from, from my perspective, Andrew, um, you can see I'm passionate about it, but why I'm yep. excited about it is you don't have to choose anymore. You know, on this, on this webinar, people are going, should I go to America? Should I go to England? Should I go to Australia? Should I invest in South Africa? Why choose? Why not invest in all four and build a global portfolio of passive income with quality partners? No, of course, Scott. But now tell us about the 2nd of June, right? Because obviously we're short of time and I'm going to ask you to wrap up I'm going to go to Mark and Paul to ask them their one piece of advice for our listeners. Um, tell us about the 2nd of June. What are you going to cover um, and how can people get involved? Yeah, so if you don't mind, I'd like to just pay you a very little clip, a very quick clip. And I know that you, uh, you want to wrap up. This will take literally 50 no, cool. seconds. So this is one of, the, one of the people that I respect most in the world at the moment. His name is Ray Dalio. And uh, basically, 
Ray Dalio runs the biggest hedge fund in the world, and he helps the wealthiest people in the world. He says it's all about diversification, diversifying across assets, within assets, across markets and currencies, across time and across partners. And this is a TED Talk he did literally last month as to what should people be doing with their investments now during COVID. And this is what he had to say. Oh, it's not playing there. Why is it not playing? No probs, I'm sure it'll play. Okay. I'll uh, I'll put a link, uh, I'll put a link for people, or maybe I can play it a little bit later when I'll figure out. Okay, <laughs> cool, no worries. But just if come back to, it. to work, we'll, back. we'll do that later. If not, we'll put a link on. Sorry, Scott. Yeah, I think just to just to clarify, I mean basically what he said is you need to be able to diversify across assets, countries, and currencies. So whether you're living in England, Australia, America, South Africa, or Timbuktu, it's it's the overriding philosophy. And what we'll be running through on the 2nd of June with you, Andrew, is talking to people about how they can invest in England, Australia, America, even South Africa, how they can invest like the top 1%. So invest like the wealthiest people where they can reduce the risk. They can get wealth preservation, a plan B and peace of mind, how they can choose the best partners. You know, how do you tell the difference between Mark and some estate agents that just try and Mark, please, please be clear. I'm not saying you're an estate agent but some little estate agent that's just trying to sell you some, some rubbish online. And how do you tell the difference? You know, how do you get access to the right information? How do you diversify with currency? How do you set up tax structures and bank accounts? And most importantly, how do you do it simply and safely, you know, starting from $100, $1,000, you know, whether you've got $100 or $1 million, to us, I don't care, because we can, we can give you access. So really for me, Andrew, what we'll be running through on the webinar is the how-to. I don't think we need to sell the why. Most people that have turned up to this webinar already are already thinking they want to invest in England, America, Australia, or even South Africa. We don't need to sell the why. It's now the how and the what. Sure, absolutely. Now, Scott, just to wrap that up, because we'll see some of you on the 2nd of June. If you look in the Facebook comments, you'll see that we have put the link on there. Let us know if you're interested, if you do want to join that webinar. It will be myself and Scott talking about how we as average South Africans can invest in other countries like the USA, UK and Australia. Now, Scott, what is one piece of advice, just to wrap up yourself here? Now, this one piece of advice can't be 10 minutes, eh? It's going to be short and sweet. And then I'm going to Mark and Paul, and we're going to start wrapping up. And just before I come to you, there's something from Christian Janssen. So if you if you all pay attention to Christian Janssen from F360 Fin, it's a boutique financier here in South Africa. And he says, don't forget the opportunity to increase your existing bond locally to then diversify that cash overseas. Would you recommend that, Scott? Yeah, look, there's that. That's uh, this is not a, a webinar for financial advice, and you've also told me I have to finish within one minute. So, <laughs> yeah, that's good point. A long, that's, that's a long question. We do help people do it, but there are risks involved, and you need to know what you're doing. So, uh, cool. that's a that's a much longer conversation that we would need. To cool, have. cool. So, what's I your want, piece of advice? Yeah, I just want to say that for the people that come to the webinar, we will give them access to an e-wealth pack, which is worth about five thousand dollars. And, uh, and also teach them about Wealth 5.0, where the world is going, and why Corona is actually helping that process and how they can take advantage of it. My piece of advice is actually listen to this man, and I've got the video now for you, because really, this, he's one of the most respected people I've, I've, I follow in the world, and this is what he says we should be doing in these times. First of all, an investor must understand that they probably will not be able to play the game well. What the individual investor needs to do is know how to diversify well. So the word that I would 
know how to diversify well and in a balanced way. And to know how to diversify, to diversify it in asset classes, to diversify it in countries, um, to diversify it in currencies, to know how to diversify that well so that you have wealth diversification is important. Do not think that cash is a safe investment. I can't get into all the different ways that one can diversify well, but I, but I would say diversify well, be humble, don't market time, and be conscious of the dangers of cash. So, Andrew, my final tip is that for anyone that wants to follow one of the wealthiest men in the world, I'll teach you on the 2nd of June how to do it, starting from whether you got $100 or a $1 million. Sure. And I just I quickly, Scott, isn't there a currency webinar next week? Yeah, so we've actually got James Painter. He wrote the second chapter of my book. He's a specialist in, in forecasting where the rand is going against the dollar, the pound, the euro, etc. So that's the uh, 28th of June at 7 p.m. I know Michelle and the team can put the link in there. Um, I, I highly recommend it. You know, I'm not a currency expert. Trust me, if I'm buying, you should be selling in the opposite direction. But uh, <laughs> investors and global citizens, it is a part of the a solution. And, and, and you might notice, Andrew, what's really important here. I don't believe you need to know everything. I believe it's about accumulating quality authorities like Mark. If I want to go to England, let me find Mark. Let me partner with Mark. If I want to understand currency, do the same thing. And that's my final recommendation, David. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Scott. We'll see you back on the 2nd uh, second of June. And don't forget, ladies and gents, the 27th of May is a separate virtual networking event. And just before I go to Mark and Paul, just to wrap up, uh, for the South Africans here in South Africa, if any of you are wondering how I'm going to be flipping properties in this market, I'm doing a free webinar this evening at 6 p.m. tonight, all about how is Andrew Walker going to be monetizing and making money through flipping properties even in this market. That's 6 p.m. tonight. Don't miss it. Okay, Mark, let's uh, jump to you. So first of all, Mark, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome, mate. Good to see you again. And, and Mark, tell us, um, is there anything that's coming to mind that you'd like to share with us? Or do you just want to wrap up with giving us your piece of advice for today? I, I think, you know, there's obviously a lot of people in this webinar looking possibly to invest for the first time. And that, that can be quite daunting. Um, and I just echo what, what Scott was saying, really. It's, it's two, two things, actually. It's one, work with trusted partners, obviously you guys in South Africa. And secondly, don't procrastinate. You know, once you've once you found your trusted partner, just do it. There's, there's lots of people just delaying, 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 and they keep thinking, oh, I've missed that investment. I've missed that investment because they've waited too long. Exactly. I agree, Mark. And it's funny, Scott, myself, a lot of us are still investing even in this market. So thanks for your time, Mark, and I'll be speaking to you soon, and I'll be hanging on to this um, live stream after we go live, all right? So, Paul, over to yourself. Is there anything you'd like to share, or is it just one piece of advice that you'd like to give our listeners here in, in South Africa? I did mention that co-living co is, is something to look at, but it's a bit of a punt at the moment, so I'd just go to the webinar on the second and uh, and get the advice. I think that it's, it's too much of a punt for an individual at the moment just to pick something on the basis of what I say. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time there, Paul. We really, really appreciate it. That's fantastic. So there's Scott Picker from Wealth Migrates, uh, Mark Lloyd and uh, Paul Niederer. Got your surname right there. So ladies and gents, just remember all the information now. If you would like to get a replay of this live stream, just go to www.jointsappen.com 
forward slash COVID-19. It will be available this afternoon. For South Africans here wanting to know how we flip properties, that's happening this evening at 6 p.m. There is a link in the Facebook comments. And then the 27th of May, one of the most exciting events this month. This is a virtual networking event for all South Africans. And we have Africans from other countries joining us um, all about the Investor of the Year Award, uh, Award winners last year, 2019, where we'll be doing a deal analysis of Dana Bonsai's deal out there in Bloemfontein, as well as connecting you, networking, sharing ideas. We're going to have all our partners on board as well. So please check the link out in Facebook and join that event. That's going to be a very, very powerful event. That's a four and a half our events. Otherwise, ladies and gentlemen, I think we are done. Uh, thank you again to our speakers. We'll see you at the next event um, and have an awesome weekend. And if you do want to diversify, we'll see you on the 2nd of June. Have an awesome Thursday and a great weekend and speak to you soon. Thank you for joining us on Prop Chat, brought to you by SA Property Investors Network. Make sure you visit their website, www.sapropertynetwork.com, where you will find ebooks, webinars, newsletters, training videos, property assessment tools, event tickets, and much more. Hit subscribe in your podcast app so you'll never miss a show. SA Property Investors Network, a place where property investors meet. Connect today, expand tomorrow.